If today's news has you taking care of more errands from the couch this spring, then Wafed Bank has some tools to help. You can open our free checking account online without ever leaving your house. Our free checking and mobile banking app includes photo check deposit, person-to-person text payments, bill pay, and even fee-free access to 32,000 MoneyPass ATMs. All this without having to pay a monthly fee. Member FDIC, free checking requires e-statement registration, direct deposit, and 25 bucks to open. Overdraft and return item fees may apply. Listen to this. Sakamani, the flying winger. Here's Brad Evans. It's Steve. It's Steve. Who is it? It's Brad Evans. <laughs> Happy days are here again. Turning with a drive. It's Steve Sakamani. Evans with the left foot. He's an attacking threat, Brad Evans. This is so weird. The party has started. What's up, everyone? Steve Zakwani and Brad Evans here. And delighted to say we're joined by none other than head coach Brian Schmetzer. And Brian, I think the most obvious place to start has to be, you know, you're back now in some form of training. It's not the norm, but I want to know in terms of morale boosting, is this the biggest thing to have happened during quarantine and self-isolation that could have boosted the team's morale? And also, what's it been like just being back around the guys um, in the last couple of weeks? Well, great to be on with you guys. Uh, you know, I would say that the biggest morale booster for the club since quarantine was when the coaching staff won that first uh, trivia night. That was the biggest. <laughs> <laughs> that was the biggest morale booster for us. But you could you could just see on the players faces when they all showed up on you know what was it two mondays ago uh you know them being able to see each other albeit from a you know 10 foot distance and we were you know did all the safety protocols but uh they were really really excited to see each other and then you know the second part of that is obviously they were uh, excited to open their legs up a little bit and really get on the grass field again and, and kick a ball around. You, you kind of touched on it, and it's it's about guys seeing each other. How important, looking on this, is morale in a locker room to the success of a club? Is it the number one thing? Because I, I would just be so excited to be back with the guys and, and you know have that positivity and just be back on the field. But Something about seeing guys and being around the guys in the locker room and just that banter is just, there's really nothing like it. That's probably the thing Steve and I miss the most. You know, obviously Steve would like to play a little bit longer, but, um, you know, you miss being around the guys day in, day out. Yeah. I mean, I I, I know you and Chad Marshall and some of the guys, Will, always had, you know, they had good relationships. Steve, I remember the smiles on everybody's faces when Oba would walk in the room and say, what's up? I mean, that is... (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely part of it. I think yeah. that the, the culture of the team, and you guys were there in 09, you know, at the, at the beginning. I mean, it started back in 09. You guys always had, I, I felt anyway, I always felt that our locker room was really tight, really close. I mean, look, there yeah. were some guys that maybe didn't hang out with each other. But I think that group that came together in 09, that, you know, you can call them the misfits or, you know, the USL guys or, you know, Santa Neossi. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of those guys, yeah. you know, some experienced guys, the number one draft choice in MLS. You got Ooh. Casey, you got Lumberg. I mean, that whole group kind of just came together. I mean, I, I, I loved yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. 
You're absolutely right. Um, Schmidt, I talked to you probably within, I think, 10 days of winning MLS Cup. We sat down and you said to me, you know, I've already been on the phone to Gonzo and with Jimmy and we're planning the training sessions and you were really excited about um, the upcoming season. Obviously, that was then disrupted. What I'd like to know is what's the approach going to be now? Because you're not you're with training camp now. You're not preparing for a 34-game season plus plus. It's not traditional. You've had to adapt on the fly. So with a season that may only be two months or three months, do you change your approach to the coaching staff? Do you get into tactics quicker? Or right now, is it more just about getting the players' legs under them and then seeing what happens? Well, right now, it's just about the physical preparation. But what I would say, Steve, is that we took this time as a, as a coaching staff to kind of go through our game model and make little changes and kind of, you know, every, every year. So you, you have a game model and this is the way you want to play. And, you know, some guys, some coaches are real rigid with, okay, this is what we're going to do. And we bring players in and they fit into the system. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not quite that rigid. We have a general game model and we make tweaks based on the personalities of our player. And I'll use the example of Jao Paulo. So Jao Paulo was a big signing for us. And, you know, he had he had success. I mean, he scored a couple goals for us. You know, he's been really good in midfield. You know, he hasn't had a chance to play with Nico. And so we've adjusted kind of the game model based on what Jao Paulo's strengths are and tried to include him in that group of players that already kind of know the system and style of play that we want to do. And so... You know, we, we've made those little tweaks or we have those ideas on paper. And then, you know, once we get to, you know, whenever that is, but when we get to bigger team training sessions, we'll implement those ideas and see if see if they work. I would imagine fluidity is, is going to be like the key word for this uh, season from here on out. There's no way you're going to be able to play guys. You know, if games happen to be every Monday, Wednesday, or every, every Saturday, Wednesday, whatever that looks like, you're going to have to rotate players. So having that rigid mindset, I think, is um, it's not going to benefit the team, but having that fluid kind of thought process on, hey, we got to plug in certain guys here and there. We might have to change our style of play to, to get points because ultimately points are still going to matter. But has your coaching changed throughout this thing? What, what has your homework been? I know that you've given the guys a bunch of homework. But what have you guys done as a coaching staff specifically to, you know, kind of approach this the best you can? Have you been watching film of other teams from, you know, years past? Or are you really just focusing on the group of guys that you have in front of you? Yeah, Brad, we, we, we haven't gone back to watch our opponents yet. I think it's still early because we don't really know who our opponents are going to be. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, we have added some video to some of our principles you know active defending and then we have a clip a video clip some of the clips of our own team some are clips from other games around the world so we've tried to add video to some of the messaging that we've had but until we you know get everybody back together in that tra team training sense uh you know it's it, it, it has been a little bit of research i mean we have been kind of looking at other games and you know gonzo and jimmy are in the middle of their UEFA Pro and UEFA A license courses. So they're obviously watching a lot of games, a lot of soccer. Uh, Preki's actually going for his review of his UEFA Pro. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. We still are fans of the game, all watch games. I mean, I've watched a couple of the parts of the Bundesliga games and, you know, but it's not nothing, nothing dramatic yet. Um, Sh 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 let me ask you this because you've had 
you know, obviously, I think people are now looking at you as, you know, oh, he's a really successful coach. But you had a lot of success in the USL days before. And then, obviously, for those of us who worked with you since 2009, we knew there was a big team behind Ziggy. It was you and it was Tom Dutra and Dave Tenney and Ezra. And we knew kind of the whole coaching staff was responsible. But what I want to know is, since you've become the head coach again of the Sounders now in the MLS era, have you been able to enjoy the success? Because I feel like you win MLS Cup on Sunday and then Monday morning you're having to cut players or renew players' contracts or talk to Jimmy and Gonzo about what's happening in pre... Are we going to Mexico and Champions League? How can we be better? Have you taken the time to just enjoy the successes or is the life of a coach always thinking next step, next step, what's next, what's next? I, I, I answer that, Steve, by saying there are moments in time like I'm sitting in my den uh, in my house and there's two MLS Cup uh, championship medals kind of in the Soccer Bowl 82 uh, mugs that I got from years ago. And I can sit here and I can reflect and I can answer your question and say, yes, I've been fortunate to you know, have good players and you know, my staff I think is incredible. If you go back to those, you know, if you go back to those USL days, you know, I had Jimmy Gabriel on my staff early when I was when I was a young coach, and he helped me immensely as far as you know how to coach and why you do things. And he always asked me questions that I didn't have the answers for, and so I had to really think about what I wanted to say and what I didn't want to come across. You know, I had Dickie McCormick for a while. I had Chance. I, I had a bunch of local guys kind of help guide me in those USL days. And so when I look back and when I sit here and when I'm, you know, have a glass of wine with Christine, yeah, I mean, I, I have some time to reflect, but you are absolutely correct. Then there will be the night before games and, you know, you can't sleep because did I forget something? Did I, you know, did you miss something on the set of pieces? I need to remind myself to tell, you know, the, you know, Ronzo to tell Javi who his markers are. I mean, there's always times like that as well. So when you reflect on on those times and, and you talk about those two medals, what are like the top three moments for you as as a sounder? They could be as a player or or even as a coach. Um, top three moments? Yeah. I mean, as a coach, do you think you go back to being a coach or is it at more as a player that you have the fondest memories? Well, my playing days are so far past. I can't remember <laughs> any of those uh, things obviously, you know, stepping onto the field. I believe, but you know, my first outing in the Transatlantic Cup, you know, back when I was a teenager, certainly sticks to my mind. I played it actually, you know, Brad. It's this is a good chance for me to test my memory skills. I remember actually playing a game in Giant Stadium against the Cosmos, Franz Beckenbauer, Carlos Alberto, Chinaglio, You know, all of those guys in front of fifty plus thousand people that was really something as a player stood out to me um you know obviously the championship in seattle the last one 2019 that one's a big one and you know the other one i would say you know you mentioned the two medals i mean when i think about and i watch some of the stuff on video when you guys were running chase roman after he scored the penalty <laughs> I mean, you guys were super pumped up. I mean, I yeah. said, you know, you pulled your shirt over your head. It was freezing cold, and you know, everybody was trying to take Ramon. And Ramon, I don't know how you guys caught him. And 
you know, that first trophy certainly, you know, was was a massive moment for the club. Yeah. First MLS um, trophy, I should say, because I don't want to right. hold, you know, the, some of the Open Cups and obviously the Supporter Shield and, you know, the games we're watching on the Saturdays, the replays, they're all great. But, you know, that MLS Cup, that first MLS Cup was, was pretty special. Um, Schmitz, last one for me. When I look at your stuff, okay, so I, obviously, we've had some behind the scenes and access to you, and I've seen you in good moments. I've seen you fired up, you know, going head-to-head with Eddie Johnson, and I've seen you stand your ground here. Then I think of a personality like Jimmy Traore, who's won the Champions League and played on the highest stages. Obviously, Gonzo spends half the game arguing with the fourth official. Um, you've got Pricky, who has a big personality. So you've got such a strong stuff. And obviously, Tom Dutra as well is there. Um, how do you guys make it work? How do you guys, because you guys seem to have such a good rapport and you feed off each other. There's a lot of banter, but you're obviously getting the work done because the team's successful. But how do you manage, not just your players, but coaches with strong personalities, with ambition? How do you guys kind of make it work so that you funnel all your energies for the good of the Sounders? Steve, great question. An easy, easy question to answer, though. This staff operates within... Uh, 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 it's just respect. I mean, we have respect for all the people in the staff, you know, even the medical staff and and, and the the sports science guys, but we as a coaching staff respect each other so much. How can you not look at Jimmy Traore? He's such a nice man. He's won the Champions League medal. I mean, he's had a career in England and Liverpool. I mean, how do you not respect that? You know, how do you not respect Gonzo playing X amount of times for Mexico and, you know, his career, Trekkie's career, Tommy, the the work that Tommy does. So it's all about mutual respect. And then the second part of it is loyalty. I mean, these guys are loyal to the club. They each have something that binds them to the club. Now, Trekkie was here in Tacoma Stars. He loves the area. His wife is from here. You know, he's got connections here. Gonzo played here. Jimmy played here. Tommy played here back within the, in the A-League days. I mean, we're all co- connected with that loyalty to the club and loyalty to me because, look, there are there are heated arguments inside the locker room. I mean, Precky was my roommate. He and I go head-to-head. But when we step outside, when we're out outside of the, the coach's room, then – Brecky is loyal to me, and and I appreciate that out of my staff. I mean, that's that's something that you know sometimes you don't you don't get that. That's awesome. Um, obviously, it's working, and and no reason to to rock the boat at all. This might be the toughest question. Um, I've booked Mount Rainier camping trip uh, at in late August, and I'm trying to figure out a way to get Steve to join me. Um, what, what would you tell Steve as a coach <laughs> to get him on team camping, uh, team camping outing? Are you guys camping or are you going to go up the mountain? No, because we're going in good- my, we're going in the Airstream. So it's glorified apartment. Okay. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Well, Steve, look, you got to open yourself up to new experiences. <laughs> uh, Pacific Northwest is built for being outdoors, camping, fishing, hiking, boating. I mean, it's a it's a wonderful part of the world. 
you have mountains, you have lakes, you have the ocean, you have all of this stuff. And you should take advantage of that. And you should, you know, live life to the fullest. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. Right. You hear that, Steve? Uh, yeah, I may, I may do that. I may do that. We, we shall see. We shall see. But um, no, Schmitz, really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Um, I think we're all excited to see just the pictures we're seeing of the boys um, back on the training page. We spoke to Christian last week. He sounds excited. So we're all behind you guys. We're excited to see you guys back out there. And hopefully this team's progressing. And before we know it, we'll be, you know, back um analyzing your games and interviewing you pitch side and celebrating some soundest points so really appreciate you joining us on this board love it love it steve all right Schmitz. Brad, thanks boss take care all right appreciate yeah. it man Experience the friendly, captivating atmosphere at Urbane Restaurant and Bar. By sourcing fresh ingredients from the Pacific Northwest, chefs Caleb Espinosa and Brian Griffin put their own unique and inspiring twists on dishes that feature throughout Urbane's upscale comfort, globally inspired menus. Enjoy creative cocktails, local craft drafts, and meals that will make you yell, Goal! Alongside fellow Sounders fans during both home and away matches, discover Urbane within Hyatt at All of Eight, the official hotel partner of your Seattle Sounders FC. All right, guys, I am uh, stoked about this next one. A former Sounder, uh, born in Monroe, Monroe, Monroe High School Hall of Fame, Western Washington Hall of Fame. Uh, he was with the Sounders from 2006 to 2009 uh, and made his debut for the Sounders after a Casey Keller handball. Steve, you might remember that one. Uh, ben, welcome to the show. Um, first, did you ever expect to come on as a sub in your first appearance for the Sounders? Uh you know, uh, it's one of those deals where, you, as a perpetual professional backup, which is what I was, you, it was kind of the thing you had to hang your hat on and be prepared for uh, that type of event. Uh, that being said, going from the USL Sounders, where we're playing in front of six, 7,000 people, to that 2009 team, where we're playing in front of 34 to 40,000 people, that was a different experience. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I didn't think uh, a Casey Keller red card would be the way that that was going to go down. Uh, usually he's got better positioning than that and doesn't doesn't do those kind of errors. <laughs> um, we're talking about Casey Keller, and you obviously worked with him very, very, very closely. Um, this Saturday, the Sounders are re-airing you know, his last ever home match for the club. I've said, yeah. you know, for me, he's like, when he came, I just couldn't believe how good he was. You worked with him on a daily basis. Can you kind of give people an insight into just how, how hard... Um, working he was in training and some of the things that made him so good even at that age and stage of his career you know what Steve honestly Casey Keller you know Casey and Tommy together uh, changed my career and you, you know I wasn't much of a player in terms of my professional career but but my the way I approach things completely changed when Casey started training with us back in 2008 so before the MLS game he was coming out to train with the USL side and I, I don't uh, get starstruck too often, but when he walked up, I was like, oh, man, that's Casey Keller. That's, this is a different <laughs> ball game that we're doing right now. And uh, the ability to work with him daily, how open he was to share his experiences and, and give advice, uh, uh, mimicking his style and techniques uh, to a certain degree as best I could, uh, really, really changed my trajectory and what I was able to achieve in my, my, my playing career. And it's translated to how... Uh, you know, I utilize those skill sets with my, my coaching career as well. 
uh, he was such a phenomenal talent is, and he had such a phenomenal brain and approach to what he did and, you know, extremely professional and awesome, awesome guy, uh, on and off the field. It, it was, uh, you know, I was very, very blessed and thankful to be able to, to work with him in that degree. That's for sure. Uh, you, you mentioned Tommy Dutra and his influence. Um, and we, we've tried to, you know, let people know how influential Tommy has been. Um, and I don't think that people give him enough credit from your standpoint and what you experienced. How is he so good at what he does in, in developing goalkeepers? Uh, well, Tommy's personality for one is very, very, um, contagious. I mean, he's, his work ethic is incredible. Uh, his, uh, passion for what he's doing is really, really incredible. And, and he's such an awesome guy. You know, uh, our little goalkeeper union, uh, you know, which included Islander and P boss and, and, you know, Casey and, you know, Marcus, I and mean, we're all still close together. I talked to Tommy, you know, last week on the phone, just chit chatting, catching up with him. Same, same with Casey. Well, we all still connect. So, Creating that environment and, and that workman uh, like eth- uh, work ethic uh, is what something that he brings and expects. And you know, it's you can t- add all the technical pieces you want, but if you don't have the right attitude about what you're doing, uh, you're not going to make it. And, and he was brilliant at bringing that out of people. You know, I kind of hated him for it to a certain degree because he pushed me in ways that I didn't feel like being pushed. But I, I really, really needed it. And, you know. Um, Tom has had that effect on a lot of people's careers. I mean, uh, look at the people that have come in and out of the Sounders and have moved on and played. Look at Tyler uh, Miller. You know, um, Brian Merritt has been a fantastic backup in the league, and, and, and every time he's been asked to play, he's performed really, really well. And a lot of that goes to Tommy and, 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 and uh, what he brings to his, co- his coaching style and, and what he brings to that group in, in, in a team environment. Um, you, you are, you know, heavily involved with another of the soccer teams here in um, Seattle, um, who have now moved up to, to Tacoma. But what was the experience like when you were on the Rain coaching staff? I know you played a very, very pivotal role there. I think you worked with Hope Solo and the goalkeepers there. Yeah. And you know, I want to know kind of what the experience was like and how you know you found coaching. Basically, you jumped in from playing into coaching. Um, yeah, let us know a bit about that. Yeah, you know, I mean, initially uh, after I was done uh, uh, in Austin, and you know, I had a back injury that kind of ended my career there, and that's how I got into my my current career. You know, doing uh, sports rehab, sports performance, and I have my facility in Bellevue. Uh, I while I was doing that, I was doing the Sounders Academy, and I, I did that for four years, and I did the Sounders U23s, and I did that for four years, and then then it overlapped into this opportunity with the Seattle Rain, which is which was a professional. Uh, professional team. It was something that was completely different. Uh, the opportunity to work with Hope Solo, uh, you know, the best female goalkeeper that's, that's ever lived, uh, was something I didn't want to pass up. And, and um, the rain really provided me an opportunity to utilize all my skill sets. I did the rehab stuff there. I was a strength coach. I was also the goalkeeper coach and the first team assistant. And uh, it was it led to opportunities with the U.S. national team on the women's side and, and things like that. And it was really, really different uh, in terms of a culture and environment, but uh, amazing all the same. So, um, you know, being able to work with Hope, who uh, approached things very similar to Casey in terms of her professionalism uh, when she showed up to work uh, on the field uh, was, was a, a fantastic experience. And, you know, and she's someone I still think stay in contact with here. So uh, the goalkeeper union in the Pacific Northwest is pretty awesome. Um, you know, we're talking about Hope, you're talking about Marcus, you're talking about Casey. Uh, and then our staff, and, and it's, it's 
it's pretty incredible the, the, the group of people that we have around here. Uh, one one thing that we've kind of uh, been talking about lately with with former pros is just that transition to the to the next phase of your life. And and you were lucky to, you know, you, you were grinding for a while, right? You were you were with the Sounders yeah. and then uh, with the Rain, and now you've kind of taken a different career path. Um, what does that look like for you? And and how did you kind of get into what you're doing now? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I have a, a sports performance facility in Bellevue. You both have been there. Um, it, it, it's evolved. Um, I've been able to take uh, my struggles uh, with my own injuries and my frustrations and, and learn more about them and learn more about how I, you know, maybe I was doing some wrong things in terms of how I was treating my body when I needed to be uh, doing different things. And, and I've applied that to uh, athletes and, and people that I work with. And then, I'm, and then I've been able to take that information from a biomechanical standpoint, a, a, uh, neuroscience standpoint and apply it to coaching. So, you know, while I was grinding away with the Sounders Academy and doing the rain, I was kind of integ- integrating my uh, educational base and my philosophies into my coaching style and my technical work on the field. And now I do it still with Major League Baseball. I do it with uh, professional goalkeepers who come uh, train me in the off season. You know, uh, and then I can translate that to everyday people as well. So it's 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 been a a, a tough journey. Uh, you know, lots of up and downs, lots of, you know, told no a lot more than yes. Uh, but I've morphed it into uh, my thing and, and having some success with it. So it's been pretty, pretty exciting. You know, um, a lot of guys struggle with that. What do I do next phase after they play? Because your, your identity is what you've been doing on the field for so long. And it can be a really, really tough emotional thing uh, to have to change that or alter that when you're used to it. And I, I don't think people, I don't think guys get enough respect for, for what they do next because it's really, really, you have to be very brave, in my opinion, to, to be able to step out and, and change your identity, uh, whether it is your real identity or not. Um, so, um, you know, everyone's, everyone has to go through it because you can't be a, a pro forever. And, you know, some guys naturally fall into coaching and that's kind of an easy, not easy. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a different type of transition, you know, um, but a lot of respect for guys that, that are able to you know, kind of keep keep plugging along because there is a phase where you don't you don't know what to do. Very well said. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, but last one for me here, and I want to ask you is, you know, I, I spoke with Tommy Dutra. I think we had last week, me and Brad had Tom Dutra on here. And, you know, I talked to Casey every now and then about this as well. From when you were playing and Casey was playing and, I look at the goalkeepers now, like Steph Fry and these guys, the positions change so much. Maybe the most changed yeah. position of anyone on the pitch, where it's so emphasized now where you have to be good with your feet and you have to play out yeah. of the back and do all of that stuff, where we weren't talking about that 10, 15 years ago. So when you work with the young goalkeepers and some of the people that um, you're helping to get to the next level, how has your coaching had to adapt based on the trends you're seeing in goalkeeping position itself? Yeah, you... you it's it's funny, cause Steve, because you you know when you go out to coach, you can pick out the goalkeeper anytime you want. So if they're doing a small sided game or they're they're doing you know five v two, you're like, oh, there's the goalkeeper. We need to change that because we need to change how a goalkeeper moves. They need to move like a soccer player a lot more than just the the strict rigid uh, technique of of what a traditional goalkeeper looks like. So uh, emphasizing that you're a soccer player first, and then you have gloves and you can do this other cool thing when the ball comes to you. Uh, is kind of the mindset you need to have these days because the, the, the proficiency of a goalkeeper, their feet makes or breaks the team now. Uh, 
if you don't have a goalkeeper that can use their feet, then it's 10 versus 11, always. So um, now when we go out to do a session, you know, there can be 30, 40, you know, 45 minutes of just footwork passing. You have to be comfortable with the ball at your feet these days. And if you, if you can use that, that skill set and make it a strength of yours, then you may not have to stop so many things with your hands anymore. So, um, you know, the goalkeeper, you know, if you look at the statistics, uh, how much more they have the ball at their feet than they actually touch it with their hands is, is staggering. So it, it has to be a, a, an emphasis now. Um, man, uh, this has been as usual, you know, m- we have sat down multiple times and just talked versus, um, you know, training a ton of times too, you and I, and, uh, what you're doing yep. is awesome. Uh, th- I think we're lucky here in Seattle to have, you know, a f- you're probably, you know, the former pro who's actually working with, um, you know, high level elite athletes. And, uh, it's something that, you know, I was fortunate to be a part of. So, um, thanks yep. for your time, man. And it uh, is always yeah. eye-opening. And, um, yeah, thanks for joining us, Ben. Yeah, thank you guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, miss you both. Love you all. <laughs> I'm ben. Love thanks, too, man. man. Appreciate you, man. Thank you, boss. Calling all Sounders fans. Do you know a community hero? Now more than ever, we want to recognize those that are going above and beyond to serve our region. Whether grocery store workers, healthcare professionals, janitors, restaurant staff, or friendly neighbors, our community is full of courageous individuals who deserve our thanks. Please nominate your community hero at soundersfc.com slash community heroes for a chance to have CHI Franciscan and Sounders FC honor them with a VIP experience. Sounders FC Classics returns this Saturday, May 30th, as we look back on the final regular season home match of the legend Casey Keller's illustrious career. Watch the entire 2011 contest at 7pm on Joe TV, soundersfc.com or the Sounders FC app. And you can also listen on 950KJRAM. This edition of Sounders FC Classic is presented by Wafed Bank awarded best bank by money.com and proud to be the exclusive banking partner of Sounders FC. Now, from this game, I remember only the highlights I've seen over the years of, I think it's like three or four saves that um, Casey makes in a row. Normally, I've got a good memory, but I don't think I've played in this game, so I don't remember much. Um, Brad, do you remember anything at all from this game or no? I am right there with you, pal. All I remember are the saves. I don't even remember if I played in this game, to be honest. Like, I, I can't remember if I was even on the field. Uh-huh. Um, uh, but, yeah, the incredible saves and, and what a way to kind of to kind of cap off uh, an, an incredible career and to do it at home and, um, you know, in front of friends and family. Like, I, I don't think that there's yeah. a better way. You know, obviously, you win an MLS Cup. But, you know, other than that, to close out the regular season, I think, and, and make it um, – you know, that sort of exit was, uh, was pretty awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, illustrious career is, is like an understatement. The more we talk about Casey and, and we talk to other go- about two other goalkeepers about goalkeepers is it just kind of puts this, you try to put it into perspective, but you really can't the amount of awards, the amount of teams yeah. he's played on the, the players he's played with. It's, um, it's pretty incredible. And I think that we looking back on it now, neither of us had any idea how lucky we were to kind of play with him. Um, right. You know, during our time with the Sounders, like not many times you could say that you played with a player of that caliber in your career. That was, uh, you know, pretty special. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And you've touched on this before. I mean, for me, when I look at the keepers I've played with, at least on paper, he's like far and away the biggest name. So it's no surprise that he's the best. But you played with um, Tim Howard, I think it was. I, I think Frida was gone by the time you were there. But Tim Howard, yeah. who's probably in that bracket as well. And we got Casey at the end of his career. But you, I think you said before that you still felt he was in the conversation of the best you've ever played with, even at that stage of his career. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I've played with Nick, also Ramondo, who doesn't yeah. get his, his due credit. And it's kind of now, Nick's getting more credit now that he's retired than he yeah. did as a player, I think, which uh, is, is pretty incredible too. But I mean, Brad Guzan, who's been, uh, you know, with the national team for, for ages and, and Tim, but, you know, I, I still found it the most difficult to score on Casey in yeah. uh, post-practice workouts. Um, and you know, he's the first one to trash talk and, you yeah. know, every, every save, he, he kind of has that mentality of like, um, you know, that Kevin Garnett attitude where even if the play stopped and a foul was blown and somebody went to lay up the ball or shoot the ball, he'd jump up and not yeah. let the ball go in the net. Right. That was kind of Casey's attitude as well. End of practice, uh, middle of practice, whatever it was, is that ball wasn't going in the back of the net. And his ability to close down angles is is second to none. Um, yeah. You know, I didn't experience it to a Tim, Tim is a fantastic athlete and goalkeeper, but, um, you know, and I got to see with him just after his prime, I think um, he was kind of on his way to MLS, um, you know, but Casey even at that, at that age was just incredible. So, yeah, awesome to be around and uh, to get to experience that and kind of reflect on that, I think is really special too. Yeah, because then I put it better myself. Uh, my memories are my rookie year, the team's expansion year, some games like when we're away from home and you're under the caution, and, you know, you're in Chicago, you're wherever you are and they're just killing yeah. you and killing you. And in Casey, just standing on his head, making save after save after save and we might get out of there with a 1-0 win or a 1-1 draw and Without Casey, I think it could have been a lot worse in more of those situations. So definitely a legend. So fans, make sure you tune in this Saturday to watch one of the highlights from his Sounders career, his last ever home match, which was against San Jose Earthquakes back in 2011. You know all about the safe sequence he had in that game. But this is a fan. This is a game a lot of fans requested. So we'll be airing that 7 p.m. this Saturday. That's part of our Sounders FC Classics. That's all we have time for this week. So make sure you join us again next week. And it looks like we're getting closer and closer to having some kind of sports worldwide. And it's an exciting time. It's been a long journey, of course, but um, you've been here with us every week. And join us again next week. Mm -hmm.